Hello and welcome. You are listening to the teaching ministry of Coastal Oaks Church in Rockport, Texas. It is our hope that you will be encouraged and that your desire to follow Jesus Christ will be challenged and strengthened as you listen to this podcast. For more information on location, service times, and what to expect on your next visit, go to coastaloakschurch.org. Now, grab your Bible and study along with us as you listen. It is good to be here with you today. I am so thrilled about this season of ministry together that we are, uh, we're going to embark on. But I have to admit, I, while I'm excited to see you, one of the most exciting things for me this morning is that my family is here. You have heard about them, but they are actually here uh, as well. And you guys have already been so kind to uh, come up and meet them. I'll introduce them real quickly. My son, Cademan, is over here. He's in eighth grade uh, and is on the swim team at Flower Bluff. That's where my kiddos go to school. My daughter, Emma, is here. She's in the 11th grade, and she is a part of the yearbook team at Flower Bluff. Uh, we're having to, like, think about her going off to college. I don't know when that happened. Like, she was just five the other day, and then all of a sudden we're having to think about college and paying for college. I'm, oh, man, so many complicated things going on in life. And my wife, Erin, is over here. She is the director of family ministries at our church in Corpus Christi at Yorktown Baptist Church. We started dating 22 years ago, and we just celebrated our 18th wedding anniversary back in December, uh, which means our marriage is old enough to vote. We're excited about that. Um, But uh, no, it's... Yeah, they're great. They're so much fun. And uh, I am bummed that they won't be able to be here with us uh, every week, but that's because they are uh, a part of our church family back in Corpus Christi, and they serve regularly. Uh, they are part of the youth group. My kiddos serve in the, the nursery, actually, week to week. Um, they're, they're just a part of the normal church life, and so they'll be there most Sundays. But I'm glad for them to be here today. And, and I'm glad for them to be here because um, my wife is probably the best example of the message that we're going to think about together today. And so if there are two words that I wanted you to think about today, it's this, don't quit, all right? Don't throw in the towel. Don't give up. Don't quit. As we start a new year together, those are the words that I hope you have at the front of your mind. Don't quit. My wife is the greatest example of that for me because, like I said, we have known each other for, actually, we have been dating for longer than we haven't been dating. Like, we, we've reached that point in our life where I've known her for longer than I haven't known her. And she has always been the person in my life who has encouraged me to persevere, to keep going. Like, when things were difficult and times were tough, she's the one who is always right there saying, don't give up. That, that was so needed at different points in life. Probably the clearest moment was in trying to pursue a doctorate. There were so many moments when it just felt like life was overwhelming, that I couldn't do it. I didn't have what it takes, and she would be the one over and over and over again who would say, don't quit, don't give up, just, just one more day, just one more paper, just one more class, you can do this, don't give up. And so in the way that she's been that example to me, I want to be that example to you today and say, no matter how you are feeling at the start of this new year, don't quit, don't give up, don't throw in the towel, just one more day. 
Now, for many of us, that, that might be difficult because as we start a new year, I don't know if you're the resolution kind of person, right? New Year's resolutions, maybe you've made them, maybe you haven't made them. I bet if we were to go around the room today, we could come up with a list of resolutions that we have all made and failed to keep, right? Like they, that we've tried to do all of these things. We thought, well, this is gonna be the year that I am going to get my diet under control. But then there's Oreos at home, right? And it's like, how are you gonna... I mean, I can start tomorrow, right? I, I can do that. Or maybe this is the year. I'm gonna have a better attitude, but man, I just face traffic every morning on my way to work. How am I supposed to have a good attitude when there's traffic? Or this is gonna be the year. I'm gonna read the Bible through the entire way. I'm gonna start in Genesis, but it's not fair that God follows up Exodus with Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. Like, why did he do that? It's no good. I just, I can't get through those things. So, as you enter 2021, I know we are happy to leave 2020 behind, but even the idea of a resolution, you might just be thinking, I, I can't do that, right? There, why even try? Because I've got a history of, of not being able to keep those things up. And I wanna tell you, don't quit, right? Don't quit, don't throw in the towel. Now, perhaps you have done some research into brain science, and you might even say, but, but actually science tells me uh, quitting kind of makes sense. And, and maybe you've heard this term before, decision fatigue. Have you ever heard decision fatigue before? It's the idea that after making so many decisions during a day, like you only have so many decisions you can make during a day. And so this is why after a long, hard day at work, it's like you get home and you're like, I can't decide what we're going to eat tonight. I can't decide what we're going to do as a family. I can't decide who's gonna be the one to help with homework or who's gonna be the one who has to take out the trash. I can't do any of those things. Decision fatigue has set in. Maybe even this morning you're like, I can't decide where we're gonna eat for lunch after church because I've already had to make three decisions and that was too many. I'm just, I'm out, like I'm tapped out. I cannot decide decision fatigue has set in. There's a couple of CEOs, Steve Jobs from Apple, Mark Zuckerberg of Facebook, they actually wear the same thing day after day after day, and it's not because they just love the way it looks, it's because they wanna make one less decision in life, that if they don't have to make that decision, that's one more decision that they could give to their work or some other area in life, decision fatigue. This actually comes from an interesting study that was done in the 1990s. Uh, the, the scientific term that they talked about was ego depletion, but really it's the same idea of decision fatigue. And this study was done where there were some participants who were placed in a room with two plates of food in front of them. One of them was a plate of radishes, and one of them was a plate of freshly baked cookies. Now the participants were told that they could only eat from one plate and not from the other. Some of the participants were said, you can only eat from the plate of radishes, and some of the participants were told you could only eat from the plate of freshly baked cookies, and then they were left to sit there for a while. And the participants had to look at the plate of food that they could eat from, and that was all that they could eat from. Meanwhile, the other plate was sitting right there. Now, I don't know anyone who would say it would be difficult not to eat radishes if I was only told to eat cookies, but I know many, many people who would say it would be nearly impossible to only eat 
uh, the radishes and not the cookies. If I mix that up, I'm sorry. I, I, yeah, the cookies, that's the hard thing, not eating the cookies, right? And what they were trying to test is to see how long people could withstand this decision fatigue, to constantly have to make the decision not to eat the cookies. Like, was there a point at which that that would just run out? And so what they did is they had them sit there for a while. They could only eat from one plate or another. And then the food was taken away and the participants were given a puzzle. The puzzle was impossible to complete, but what they wanted to find out is how long would people actually spend working on the puzzle. They wanted to see, would the people who had to withstand not eating the cookies work on it for more or less time than the people who could eat from the cookies, who didn't have to practice that decision-making, that focused sense of willpower to not eat the cookies. And what they found is exactly what we would expect. The people who... uh, ate from the cookies, they worked on the puzzle longer than the people who could only eat the radishes. And the researchers came up with the conclusion that, see, this proves you only have so much ability, so much willpower, so much decision-making ability, and that at some point that gets tapped out and you just have to give up. Like, you just can't do hard tasks anymore. And maybe that resonates with you because you think, I know what that feels like. I've had a hard day at work, and I just want to come home and sit in front of the TV and not have to make any hard decisions at all anymore, right? I don't want to have to do anything. But here's the deal, is that actually new research has been done, and people who've tried to replicate this experiment have failed to ever replicate the results successfully. They haven't been able to to do the study in the same ways, and they say that this research is flawed to the point of this, that if you think about willpower, if you think about this decision-making ability as a limited resource, then you are going to find examples of that everywhere in your life. Which means if you want to give up, if you want to say, I only have so much ability to withstand temptation, or I only have so much ability to make the right decisions, you are going to live your life that way. And so my message to you today is to say, don't give up. Don't think about willpower. Don't think about your decision-making ability as this limited resource. In fact, I think that when we look through the biblical example, what we see is not just a call to greater willpower, not just a call to greater like uh, effort, not just for you to try harder, but it is actually the call to trust more, just as Andy said. And that as we begin this new year, maybe the greatest decision that you could make is that I am going to trust God's path more than any other path in life, that I am going to trust God's way even when it seems difficult, that I am going to trust that God knows best for me even when it seems like there might be more happiness to be found somewhere else. Don't give up. Don't quit. Don't throw in the towel, at least not yet. Our passage today that we are going to look at together is going to be from Psalms. Uh, It's going to be the first Psalm. So if you have your Bible and want to take that out, we're going to look at Psalm 1, all six verses in Psalm 1. Uh, If you have your phone and want to pull that out, that would be great. But I'm going to ask uh, in just a moment, I'll tell you when, but we're going to stand together and read that. But as we get started, the Psalms are a perfect place to begin our new year together. Because the Psalms are stories, they are poems, they are songs from real life. And the entirety of the book of Psalms, it is so fantastic for believers because it presents every situation you could imagine in life. It tells the good and it tells 
the bad. There are psalms that are triumphant, that are joyous, that proclaim the the moments when God has come through and they celebrate these incredible situations where God, we were trusting you and you showed up just as you had promised and we could certainly all agree to that. We have seen God uh, be active in our lives in that way. But the psalms also tell us about the moments when life is challenging When life has been difficult, they tell us about the moments actually when we would say, God, I have been faithful and I am waiting on you to do what you have promised to do. And I bet we resonate with that as well. That there have been times over the past year when we look around and say, God, I just don't understand. I've done what you've called me to do and it doesn't seem like things are working out that way. The Psalms also anticipate a day when everything will be put right. And so the Psalms can give us hope when we feel hopeless. The Psalms are a fantastic thing to read as we ring in this new year. And Psalm 1 in particular is a great one to begin with. It was chosen as the first Psalm because it gives us the guidelines for every other Psalm that will follow after it because Psalm 1 presents two paths Two options, two ways. Psalm 1 tells us about the way of the righteous, and then it tells us about the other way. Psalm 1 tells us that the way of the righteous is the path that will succeed, and the other ways will fail. Psalm 1 gives us the choice that wasn't just true back then, but it is true for us today in January of 2021. You see, it's not the choice between the easy life or the life that might lead to the most material comfort. That's not the choice in front of us. Instead, the choice is one to thrive or to wither. The choice to live life to the fullest as you were created by God to live or to choose a life that may appear full but is actually empty and shallow. That's the choice that we have in front of us, and Psalm 1 lays that out beautifully. So I'm going to ask as, that we can do what generations before us have done, what people have done throughout history. That is, we stand together in honor of the reading of God's Word. And so would you stand with me as I read Psalm chapter 1? This is what it says in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. I love this psalm. This is one of my favorite psalms, and I love it particularly because of the way that it begins. It presents this imagery, this progression that is unmistakable. In chapter or uh, verse 1 of Psalm 1 it says blessed is the man and then looks look at this movement that happens here who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners nor sits in the seat of scoffers the psalmist opens this up very specifically to present this progression that is unmistakable walking standing and sitting 
walking, standing, and sitting. There is this progression of slowed momentum, slowed movement. It's almost a saying, okay, the way of the righteous is not walking in this direction, nor is it standing in that place, nor is it sitting in that place. And what they're trying to communicate is that at every step, it becomes more difficult to turn around and take God's pathway. We use this word in church uh, a lot of times, repent. You've probably heard that. Well, to repent simply means to turn around. It means that if you're heading in one direction, then you ought to turn around and go in the other direction. We did a little bit of traveling over the holidays, and despite my best attempts to navigate perfectly and even using my, my phone to get us where we should, there were moments when I would still miss a turn. I would think that I was supposed to go to the light down there, but it was actually this moment. Well, in those situations, what do you do when you've taken the wrong turn or you've missed your exit? Do you just keep going and hoping that you're gonna go like and eventually figure it out? No, you have to turn around, right? You have to get back going the right direction. That's what the word repent means. And the psalmist says that eventually it becomes more and more and more difficult to do that. Someone says, blessed is the man who isn't walking in the counsel of the wicked. And you think about that. If you're walking in the wrong direction, well, to turn around just means you have to take that same momentum and apply it in the other direction. It's not too hard. I'm just going to keep walking, but I'm going to walk in the other direction. But then it says, blessed is the man who doesn't stand in the way of sinners. Okay, well, when you're standing, all of a sudden now you, you're, you don't have momentum. you got to think about getting started again. And so it takes just that much more energy. But lastly, the verse one says, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. That there's this sense it becomes easier to just give up on doing the right things. Once you've sat down, I mean, then you have to stand up. Then you have to get going. But once you've sat down, you've kind of taken up residence. You're, you're in this place. You've planted yourself. And the psalmist begins by presenting this clear image of how much harder it is to get going in the right direction over time. That is, the little choices that you make actually matter a great deal. Because over time, if you consistently put yourself in the wrong place, if you consistently choose the other path, it becomes more and more and more difficult to do the right thing. Right? I mean, if you're moving in the wrong direction, you just need to turn around. But if you're standing, you have to get going. And if you're sitting down, it's just that much harder to get going in the right direction. You see, for us, maybe that's one of the reasons that you feel like quitting today is that just over time, we have structured our life in such a way that it's just easier to ignore the call of God on our life. That over time, we've made little choices, little bitty choices that have led us down a different path. And over time, it has just become more and more and more difficult to think about going the other direction. It's a clear warning that this is why it's so important that we adhere to God's call on our life because every step we take in the wrong direction makes it that much more difficult to get back where we need it to be. Blessed is the man who doesn't walk, nor stands, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. The psalmist goes on to describe the righteous person, the one who is following God's call and says that they are like a growing tree that bears fruit. 
So instead of walking down the path of the unrighteous, God's followers are called to plant themselves in God's way. And I love this image that they use of a tree, right? Like they use the image of a tree because what the psalmist is trying to communicate to us is a picture of perseverance, That's what the way of the righteous looks like, is one who can persevere, who can endure, one who doesn't quit when the going gets tough. The image of a tree conveys this image of perseverance. But the image of a tree, I think, is a perfect metaphor because a tree reminds us of perseverance, of growth over and over, consistent growth throughout time. But a tree doesn't tell us about perfection. You see, that's what the psalmist is reminding us here. The image of a tree conveys perseverance, not perfection. I mean, think about a tree. A tree doesn't have an absolute standard that it, that, it, that it grows by, right? That's not what a tree is. A growing tree is instead one that has persevered in the difficult circumstances. Perhaps one of the reasons you feel like quitting today is because you look back and you think, my life hasn't been perfect. It's a little lopsided. There are some difficult moments and you might think, well, there's no way that God still wants me to be in his family. There's no way that God is calling me and yet God uses is the image of a tree to remind us. A tree may be a little lopsided, right? A tree maybe at one point was headed in one direction and then kind of headed back the other direction. You could trace out the history of a tree. A tree doesn't always have a perfect canopy, but a growing tree steadily over time continues to do what God has created it to do. So a tree, even though maybe at one time it was headed in this way, maybe it was headed in that way, a tree continues to grow and a tree continues to persevere. Now, that image of a tree, of course, we go to what church? Coastal oaks, right? I mean, a tree is sort of baked into the name, but the idea of a tree communicating endurance should be nothing new to residents of Aransas County because you have one of the most famous trees in all of Texas here in your county, the big tree, right? How many of you have never been to the big tree? Is there anybody in this room? Brave souls to admit it. You ought to go right after this service and go check it out. It is beautiful, right? But it's, it's not that it's just a perfect tree. In fact, it's kind of gnarly and weird how it's grown and there, there are just weird sections of it and you see all of this history just in in the tree. Depending on who you ask, it's over a thousand years old. It, is the, it has this incredibly long life. But what I think is more amazing about the big tree is that it has endured through a number of storms. It has endured through a number of adverse circumstances. Moments that have leveled other buildings, the tree has continued to thrive. The tree has continued to grow. Even when the winds came, when the rain showed up, the tree has continued to grow. Despite attempts at vandalism throughout its life, the tree has continued to grow. And when we think about the big tree or any tree, a tree is a perfect metaphor for the one who has chosen God's path. Yes, are there going to be moments when things aren't perfect, when we, we go astray? Absolutely. But God calls us back just like that growing tree. And a tree reminds us to endure, to not give up. That's what a tree is. Trees are used throughout all of the Bible, in fact, to remind us 
of this picture of endurance. That's what the psalmist is saying. The psalmist is saying it's easy to get started going down the wrong pathway. It's easy to get moving, and the longer you take that path, the harder it's going to be to return home. Instead, think about a tree and this picture of endurance. A tree is planted in the right place. A tree is planted in God's way and continues, it perseveres, it endures day after day after day. In contrast to the tree, the one who is unrighteous, it says, is like the chaff. You know what chaff is in a grain? A chaff is that, that hole, it's the husk that is surrounding the seed. The seed is the part that we want from grain, but the chaff is the part that we throw away. It's the inedible part. It's the part we don't use. Chaff in, uh, in, in olden times, before they had harvesting technology like we do, the way that you'd get rid of it is you'd throw the grain up in the air and the chaff would be carried off with the wind. That's how you got rid of the chaff. You didn't want that. You wanted the edible part. And the psalmist says, listen, the picture that you should have of the righteous person, the person who follows God's pathway, is like a growing tree. It's got roots. It's got this trunk. It's got stability. It's persevered. But the path of the unrighteous, the path of the wicked, the path apart from God is like the chaff. It may look like it is growing. It may look like it's full of activity, but it's just temporary. It's what is discarded. It's what is thrown away. For us, our lives lived apart from God may seem to be full of activity. They might seem like we are busy, like we're doing a lot of things, but any activity apart from what God has called us to do is temporary. It's like that chaff, and it will just be carried away. You don't want that for your life. And so, friends, don't, don't quit. Don't give up. Even though it's difficult, even though life has been challenging, remember the tree and let's persevere. Let's endure even when times are tough. Now, it says in verse 6, for the Lord knows the way of the righteous. That's the pathway that we want to walk down in 2021 is the way of the righteous. And it says that the righteous person is the one who delights in the law of the Lord. Can you remember the last time that maybe you were tempted to follow the path of the unrighteous? I mean, can you think back to some time when you knew there were two pathways? This is what God is calling me to do. And then there's this other way over here. Was your heart troubled Maybe you had a hard time sleeping. Maybe there was just some, some uneasiness in your spirit. But I wonder what questions were going through your mind when those two choices were presented in front of you. I imagine they were questions like this. Will, will obeying God cost me more than disobeying him? Right? Maybe it was just the cost. Ooh, it, it seems pretty costly to have to go God's way. I think this way might not cost me as much. Or maybe it was, can I experience greater happiness this way than I could by obeying God? I mean, for many of us, that's what the choice ultimately comes down to, is that, you know, it's just a small compromise. It's just a small thing. And I bet, actually, I'm going to be happier going this way. Not in big things, but just in this little way. I'm not going to be fully honest, because if I was fully honest, then that's going to lead to some discomfort. And I, I don't want that. I want to have the happier way. And the problem for many of us is that we think that there's greater delight to be found in following the other path. 
that the path of the righteous, the path that God is calling us down, that's just filled with difficulties. That's just filled with trouble. That's just filled with all sorts of heartache. Instead, I'm going to choose my own way because I think that there is greater delight in this pathway. If I go down this road, and maybe what you found over time is that you know that's not the case, but it still seems so difficult to follow God's way. It just seems too hard, and that's why you're ready to quit today. So maybe the question that we ought to be considering, if we know that the path of the righteous is the one where we delight in God's way, and we know that sometimes I think there's greater delight to be found other ways, maybe we ought to be asking, how do we reorient our delight? That is, how do I make it so that my delight, my happiness is actually not found apart from God, but God is the source of all of my delight. How do I make it so that that doing the things of God is actually what would bring me the greatest delight? Well, the Psalm tells us what to do right here. And I wish that it was more monumental. I wish that it was something you've never heard before in your life and so I could say, I've uncovered the secret. If so, I'd write a book, I'd split the profits with Coastal Oaks, we'd all get rich, it would be fantastic. But it's not a new idea. It's not something that's unfamiliar to us at least the knowledge of it, the hard thing is actually practicing what the psalm calls us to do. And it says right there in verse two, but his delight is in the law of the Lord and on his law he meditates day and night. You see, that's the secret right there. If you wanna reorient your delight, that is if you want the path of God to become what delights you more than any other pathway, we have to first begin by meditating on his word every single day. There is no greater indicator of spiritual growth than that daily Bible reading. And if there was anything that I could tell you, anything that I could ask you or say, just if you wanted to do one activity this year, the greatest thing that you could do, the highest recommendation I could make would be to read your Bible every single day. And you might say, oh, but that seems too easy. It can't be that simple. And yet the psalm says that's what the ray of the righteous looks like, meditating on God's word every single day. Oh, no, well, it's got to be harder than that. Meditate on God's word every single day. Well, I've tried that, and it didn't work for me, and so why do it again? You know, I've missed breakfast before, but that doesn't mean that I skip every meal after that, right? Like, just because I miss breakfast one day, I still am pretty regular on eating lunch. And if I miss breakfast and lunch, you can guarantee I am going to be there early for dinner, right? Just because you've messed up before in this area, maybe you haven't lived up to perfection, doesn't mean you can't persevere and try Again, meditate on God's word day and night. And maybe you think, well, I don't even know where to start. Should I just open my Bible and flip to any chapter? Let me tell you, here's a very easy way to start, and it will actually even give you a jump start on next week's sermon. Take the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John is 21 chapters. It's gonna be familiar to you. It's gonna tell you stories uh, that you've heard about Jesus, and maybe just reading through them one by one by one would be a refreshing way to study the life of Jesus. But the Gospel of John is 21 chapters, which means if you'd start tomorrow, you can read a chapter a day for the next three weeks. 
you can begin to practice what Psalm 1 tells us. Now, I know that maybe you've tried that in the past and it didn't work, but let's start again. Don't quit. Don't give up so early in the year. In fact, start over on what God has called us to do, meditating on his word. So you could begin by reading the Gospel of John, one chapter a day, and if you do that, you are going to be ready for next week's sermon because it's going to come from one of those first few chapters of the Gospel of John. And if you even want to take that a step further, find somebody else who will read the Gospel of John with you, and every single day, just text them to say, I read my chapter, I read my chapter, and you can build accountability into your life, and I promise you, you will have better results with that accountability. So don't give up. Don't give up. Now, I know that the first day might be easy, and the second day might even be okay, but the third day of that, fourth day, we're going to start running into some trouble, and there's going to be a morning where you just don't feel like reading your Bible, and there's going to be a nighttime when it's just easier to go to bed. You're tired, and you just don't have the energy, and let me say it's in those moments that God is calling us to persevere, that those are the moments more than anything we need to remember. Don't quit. Don't give up. Be like a tree planted by the streams of living water. Be like a tree and persevere and endure. Some days it will be difficult, and in those moments you can remember, I'm doing this because this is what God has called me to do. It may not be my delight yet, but I know that over time, by doing this thing, I am going to reorient. I'm going to refocus. I'm going to learn what it is to delight in the way of the Lord. And here's the good news, is that you shouldn't minimize the choices you make because the choice to obey God in one thing makes it more likely that you will choose to obey him in the next thing. Every single day that you make the choice to follow after God, you are making it easier to obey him in the next thing. Just like it's easier as you go down the wrong pathway over time to keep going down that way, so too, the more that you choose to follow after God, the easier it becomes to obey him in the next thing. So friends, as we begin this year, as we think about all that 2021 has in store for us, you may be weary from all that last year brought to us. You may think, I I just don't have the reserves in me. I don't know what to do. But let me tell you, don't quit. Instead, let's be like the tree that God reminds us of in Psalm chapter one. Plant yourself in the right spot and endure persevere, don't quit, keep growing every single day, even when it's difficult. There's this old proverb uh, that the best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. The second best time is today. And that's true. If you've ever like walked through a nursery and you're thinking about, uh, not like a child nursery, but like a plant nursery. If you've ever walked through a nursery and you're thinking about what you're going to put in your backyard, you probably have thought about trees and you're like, man, but that's going to take forever to grow, right? Maybe you've even thought, I wish I had decided to plant that tree last year or the year before. Man, I really wish I would have gotten that oak tree a long time ago. We all know this to be true in life. The best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. But the second best time is today, to make that choice and to begin that new life right now. Well, if we were to paraphrase that that proverb to our lives, the best time to fully commit your life to God was in the past. But the second best time is today. 
I mean, all of us probably wish we could go back and tell our younger selves, hey, you should fully commit yourself to following after God right now. It's going to save you a lot of heartache. It's going to get you out of a lot of sticky situations where you're trying to cover for yourself and, and adding one lie on top of each other. Let me just tell you, from, as your future self, it would be better for you to fully commit to following God. But we can't go back in the past. All we can do is start today. And the best time, the best moment you can make this decision is right now. So friends, as we begin 2021, let us all together as one body of Christ commit to not giving up on following the path of the righteous. Would you pray with me?